Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. Boom, welcome to church everybody. That's the Christmas series. We got there before Kanye. Uh, I just want to say that. So anyway, but really good to have you here. This is week two of our Christmas series leading up to Christmas Day as we anticipate this incredible moment when Jesus Christ became flesh and dwelt amongst us. A part of that, we've got a very exciting morning. But just before we get to there, we have carols. We have carols. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on. Yeah, there's four people excited. Michelle and four people. Good. Carols is happening at Table View tonight at 4 p.m. and 5.30 p.m. There's still a lot of space. You don't want to miss out. It's going to be incredible. The team have been practicing. It's going to be a really special time for family and for kids. You don't want to miss out. The choir are sounding good. The Milnerton voices from the choir are sounding good. Let me just say that. Um, so we'll be doing that. And then if you, if you can't make this evening on Wednesday night in the city at our city venue, St. Andrew's Presbyterian, we'll be doing carols there at 7 p.m. And they're just going to be an hour and 10 minutes, so they won't be too long. There'll be a lot of freebies, a lot of fun things, and you don't want to miss out. So 4 and 5.30 today at Table View or Wednesday evening in the city. You don't want to miss out. But this morning, we have something really, really profound, something a lot of fun, and I really believe God's going to speak to us. We, we thought on a Sunday, it's good to hear from one preacher. It's always nice to hear from one preacher. But we thought, no, this is a time when very Mark is saying, hey, you don't just get one, you get two or three. But we're saying we're going even better. We've got four preachers for you today. And if you sign up today, no, I'm just joking. We've got four preachers. And we're doing something called sevens where each preacher gets seven minutes each. Yes, there will be a timer on the screen. That is it. They've got seven minutes. And when their time is done, they are done. But it's going to be really, really cool. We're going to read the scripture together. It's going to be Isaiah 9 verse 6. But before we do that, I would like to tell you about our first preacher, a man named Jared, who is married to Keisha there, and this amazing couple. Yeah, come on. Come on. And uh, he's, he's, a, he's an amazing man, an amazing couple that you would have known, seen them behind the coffee machines and getting involved for the past year and a bit. But an amazing creative couple that God is doing amazing stuff in. Um, but I thought it would be really cool because we've got good friends of yours here. Drew and Polly and little Ellie, and they're good friends of mine. Why don't you guys come up very quickly before? Come on. These are some of my first friends in Cape Town. Honestly, when I first moved to Cape Town, these are some of my first friends. Stand right in the middle, guys. You're so beautiful, man. Look, I mean, they southern suburbs people, eh? No, city people. City people. City people. City come on. Wow, look at that. And little Ellie, who turned one just recently. Um, Drew, why don't you tell us about Jared, and then we're going to call him up. <laughs> oh, this is beautiful. He's actually my boss at work. Uh, and so this is great. Um, no, but Jared, he's a creative director at King James. Um, and if he's a hard worker behind the coffee station, he is an extremely hard worker at work. He's super well respected, uh, super well loved by everyone. It's a pleasure to work with him. Um, and it's, yeah, it's a joy. He's incredibly talented, but also just a diligent worker. And so I'm super excited that he's preaching this morning. Cool. Sheesh. Yeah, so he gets a raise this month. Anyway, their task, all four, we're going to get Jared up now, but before um, we go on, we're going to read the one scripture. All of them have been given one scripture, Isaiah 9 verse 6. If you're unfamiliar with it, it is a prophetic text about Jesus and his birth, and uh, it's a text that goes simply like this, for unto us a child is born, a son is given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. And of those four things, we said to them, 
Could you take one of those aspects about who Jesus has been prophesied to be, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace, and then preach that to our hearts this morning. Each one of them have done a a lot of hard work, and I believe it's going to really minister to your hearts. This one thing they ask of us as a people, as they preach, this is not passive preaching. This is not uh, quiet, suburban, western church preaching where we just listen and nod our heads going, hmm, that sounds good, hmm. No, 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 no. We're not looking for something that we're going to tweet. We're going to amen it here, okay? So why don't we practice it? When they say something good, you're allowed to say amen. You're allowed to say, if it's Jared, you say, preach it, white boy. You can do that if you want. (laughs) Whatever you need to do to get them excited, to encourage them, because these guys are preaching not just from their knowledge, but they're preaching to our hearts because we believe that this is not about being spectators. This is about partnering with the word of God that's being preached this morning. So why don't we give it a practice? One, two, three. Come on, give me your best. Oh, very good. Some of, you, some of you should be in an American Pentecostal church. Come on. So everybody, without further ado, this is our good friend, Jared. Ryan, put the time on the screen. Everybody, Jared Osmond. Thank you, G. I swear that wasn't planned. But thank you. Okay. <laughs> Okay, good morning. Um, Thank you so much uh, to Gabe. Like he said, my name's Jared, and I've got a massive clock behind me, so I'm just going to jump right in. Um, Would you pray with me for a second? Father, we thank you for the amazing word that you're bringing to us this morning through sevens. Uh, We pray the Holy Spirit continue to open our hearts to the wondrous things in your word. Through Christ our Lord, amen. So I've got two confessions this morning. The first is that I didn't want to be the one talking about the everlasting father this morning. Um, It's like the bit about the talking donkey in the Old Testament or in the New Testament, the fish that spits up the temple taxes. It's it's a bit of the Bible that is complicated to me. Um, But then, obviously, we've got confession number two, which is that last week I missed the e-filing deadline and I could have done with a fish that could spit up a tax return at least. Um, So, the Everlasting Father was the one I planned to dodge because to me it's a little bit fraught. It's at the center of a debate between those who hold to a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and those who hold to a sort of all-in-one. And so I was just going to, it was too heavy for me. I was going to pick one of the others, let Gabe know well in time, and then things would be fantastic. But, as the e-filing story suggests, I'm not so good with deadlines this month, and so suddenly Sunday was looming and gave SMS to say, hey, Jared, what are you thinking for next Sunday? Would you mind handling Everlasting Father? So, (laughs) this is how God works, though. That was two weeks ago on a Thursday, the same day that my wife was flying to Joburg for the funeral of her uncle, Uncle Victor. Um... He was an incredible human, like a, a massive personality and the rock of his family. He, had, he has two adult children who, for financial reasons, have had to move back in at home. And he supports most of his wife's family. He supports his mentally handicapped brother and his 85-year-old mom who's suffering, suffering from dementia. And so on a, on a Friday, he got home from work and he decided to go shower off the stress of the week, and that was it. He was gone. Five years ago, my wife's own father got up to close the security gate, and he suffered his own massive heart attack at 52. These two people were, were, they, they were the tone setters for their family. 
Um, <clears throat> sorry. So, what would happen is if my father-in-law Shane was up, the whole family was up. It was amazing. Uh, and he, he was a person who could speak to you, tell you everything was going to be all right, and make you believe it like that. Um, and so when he wasn't around to tell you that or to make you believe it, the silence was deafening. And it was with these two men in mind, these two fathers, that gave got hold of me. So what I was going to talk to you about this morning was decided. So because I believe in the absolute perfection of the God that we serve, uh, and just to clarify, one God and three persons, I've learned through experience that I, if I hold, if we hold to the source of all good, He has good for us. And so when I looked at the scripture, the word everlasting just crystallized for me. Because although the nature of the Father is reflected in Jesus, and in Isaiah's prophecy here, He's a Father who's always. And that just stuck out for me so hectically. So this morning I want to say that if we let Him be the tone of our lives, if He becomes the head of our home and the rock we lean on, and the compass for our actions, and the one we trust when He speaks, then we don't ever have to deal with the crippling anxiety of Him never being there. So it was with this that I read Mark 16, 8, where both Marys and Salome uh, are told that Jesus isn't dead in His tomb, but He's risen, which is great news. But then they don't respond that way. They actually run out of the tomb because trembling and astonishment had overwhelmed them. And that puzzled me a bit. Um, I mean, it was good news. So why were they overwhelmed? Because they counted on Jesus, they believed in Jesus, and then they watched Jesus die on a cross and he was gone. But according to these angels, the one that they counted on survived what for any human would be the end. And that's overwhelming and incredible news. That's the everlasting father. So if everlasting was hard for people to understand 2,000 years ago, in the age that we're living in, the age of nothing lasting, where there's always a new version or a new software update, or <laughs> the, the saying goes, the only constant is change, then how are we supposed to understand it? And also just from a point of view of our humanity. The truth is, we're going to continue to go to funerals, and we're going to continue to see the people that we love leave us. But the great joy that we have here is that the one who loves us and never ceases being and doing just that never leaves us. He is the everlasting Father, and I have seen Jesus' characteristic of being a father. He steps into the gap left by our earthly fathers who leave us, and He fills it more abundantly than we could ever imagine. In the 12 months leading up to his heart attack, my father-in-law stopped in the tracks of what was ruining his life and his family, turned to face his Lord and Savior, Jesus, and started walking back to him. I actually lost count of how many times I'd arrive at their house, walk onto the balcony, and find him with his head so deep in his Bible that I thought he was actually physically trying to crawl in to find more of the Jesus that he loved so much, more of the Jesus who had saved him. Knowing that that was where he was when he left us was the biggest miracle God gave us at that time. And so my prayer for all of you is that we, our faith, is that miracle for our families when we leave. Because the last act 
this earthly father ever did was to turn his family towards his everlasting father, his Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord and our God. Thank you. Amazing. Thank you so much, Jared. We're going we're gonna to pray together at the, at the end after all four, so we're just going to keep plowing ahead. The next up this, evening, this morning is a really special lady. Her mum is over there, and uh, some of her other biggest fans are over there. Uh, so why don't we call up Danny Jan. She's a teacher at Parklands. Come on. She is uh, a children's author multiple times over. She is the life of every party, but she's more than that. She's an incredibly godly woman who's got a great testimony, an amazing preach this morning for you. So everybody, this is Danny Jan. <laughs> I lay in my residence room trying to sleep but wrestling with my dark thoughts. Wanting to run away from the world, but frightened of facing the demons in my dreams. Just forget, I chanted to myself as I lay on the bed, hoping that the sleep would turn into something more permanent. I would order several amounts of KFC and Debonairs, refuse to answer any phone calls. I was despising those who had seemed to have it together and I was missing all my lectures. I was incensed and angry at the challenges I was facing in life. The storms of life overwhelmed me, and I was just anxious. I was angry, I was bitter, and I was hopeless. This was months and years after I was diagnosed with the autoimmune disease called lupus. Lupus is a life-threatening disease that's so-called incurable, and it viciously attacks your immune system. Over the years, it has attacked and it has affected my kidneys, my lungs, my heart, my blood, my joints, my hair, my skin, and yes, even my brain. It was a dark, dark place to be in, and apart from the physical evils, there were also psychological issues, and I've been severely depressed, suicidal, and so, so dysfunctionally petrified of life that I literally lost my mind. It was a dark, dark place to be in, and the only thing that got me out was my decision to do one thing, to know Jesus. You can either know Jesus or know Jesus. The Hebrew term yada refers to, it, it, it says, to perceive, to understand, to experience, to know him intimately. We need to come to a point where we resolve to know Jesus personally and intimately. And this only comes with us spending time with him, meditating on the word, getting personal revelation from him. Psalm 91 says, He who rests in the shadow, who you dwells in the, in the secret place of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. And it's about being continuous. It's about being intentional. Once I became adamant about knowing Jesus, yaddering him, um, all the uglies began to fall away, and I began to feel the comfort and the peace that comes from his presence. 
it's one of the most amazing privileges of being a Christian, his peace. And once you, 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 you find his peace, um, nothing can stop you. You are unstoppable. Um, in Mark chapter 4, Jesus tells the disciples to go to the other side of the boat. And verse 37 reads, And a great windstorm arose, and the wind beat against the boat, so that it was filling the boat. But he, Jesus, was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And the disciples awoke him and said, Teacher, are you not worried that we are perishing? And Jesus arose and he said, he rebuked the wind and he said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. How could Jesus sleep in the middle of a serious storm? Because he knew his father. He knew that God would not abandon that which he commissioned. He knew that what he started in him, he would, not, he would finish. And that what he commissioned, that he would, he would see it to the end. What are you, are you sleeping during your storm? Are you comfortable enough to, to sleep through the storm? And to find that rest and comfort in his presence, in the knowledge of his presence. God is calling us to that rest. He's saying he wants to arise. He wants to rebuke the storms in your life. He wants to say, peace, be still. He's calling us to that rest. What are your go-tos when you are feeling you're in the storm? Mine was bitterness, anger, anxiety, frustration, KFC and debonairs. <laughs> what are your go-tos? Anger? Lashing out at your loved ones, fear, anxiety, bitterness, Netflix, social media. God is calling us and he's saying to us, he's saying, be desperate for me. Run to me so that I can show you that your heart, I can command your heart and your mind to be still and know that I am God. There is an old hymn that says, turn your eyes upon Jesus Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of the earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of the earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Amen. Amen. That's your daughter, eh? Sure. Danny, you're a miracle. You're amazing. We're really proud of you. So, so cool in what God is doing. Uh, third up this, this, this morning on the ballot is a man that you will all know and love. This is an incredible man, a father of one, husband of one as well. Just checking. Good. Jen, Jen's nodding approval at the moment. Yeah, there we go. And uh, an amazing man, amazing family man. He, uh, he and Jen lead an incredible life group in the life of our church. They are also behind the coffee machines, all the good 
preachers that work a coffee machine, eh? sheesh. But, um, but really, this is an amazing man that we love dearly. Brad, you are a, a rock in this church, and we're so proud of you. So everybody, this man is going to bring the heat. His name is Brad James Colletti. Take it away, Brad. Thanks, Gabs. Morning, Millie's. So I think um, most of us will have found ourselves in a situation that we find completely too big to handle, where we saw no solution, we felt completely hopeless and overwhelmed. This is exactly how the Israelites felt at the time when Isaiah brought this prophecy of the coming Messiah. Ten of the 12 tri tribes had been totally annihilated by the Assyrians. The last two tribes were under great threat, and their situation seemed absolutely hopeless. They desperately needed someone to come and to bring some good news. The promise of a king, a descendant of David, that would come and set them free was the promise they needed to hear. The Israelites needed mighty God, a warrior, that he would be the ultimate freedom fighter, that he would gather his armies and defeat their oppressors. When Isaiah told them that one of the names of the coming Messiah was mighty God, the image the Israelites would have had was that of the commander of the armies, the, the armies of the hosts, the heavenly hosts, the promise that the almighty God would come with his heavenly army and save them and set them free. The future God would be mighty God, the coming to earth to save his people, God incarnate, Emmanuel, God is with us. But Jesus' birth was a paradox. It really wasn't the Israelites, what they expected their king to look like. They needed a king to come and defend them, a warrior king like David. Yet Jesus was born as a defenseless baby in a manger, not exactly the warrior king that they were expecting. We learn through scripture that God works in ways that are completely foreign, completely different to how we expect him to work. We see a couple of verses later in Isaiah, God saying, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. When Christ was crucified, his followers would have been shocked. They would have looked at this situation and thought, how is this possible? How is it that Christ's earthly life has come to an end, and the purposes that he promised have not been fulfilled? They would have thought that the hope that he brought had been laid to rest in that tomb with him. They would have thought that he was the one that had been defeated and that it was over. But in the spiritual realm, it was the kingdom of darkness that had been defeated. And with Christ's resurrection came resurrection life for you and me. In the natural, it would have seemed that Jesus had died in weakness, crucified on a cross and unable to save himself. But in the supernatural, God's mighty power was at work. In 2 Corinthians, Paul wrote of the thorn in his flesh, and he pleaded with Jesus to take it away. Jesus' response to him was, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. When we are weak, God is our strength. When the storms of life come, and we know that they will, what is our response, and how do we weather the storm? Do we get tossed about by the storm, or do we stand firm, solid, on our rock, our firm foundation, our mighty God? Do we trust him with everything that we have? Do we hold, him in our, hold on to him in our weaknesses so that he can show us his strength? It is in these storms that the mighty God sustains us. 
A couple of years ago, Jen and I found ourselves in a situation that seemed pretty hopeless. It wasn't quite as dire as the Israelites, but to us it seemed like this really big thing. We couldn't see how we were going to get out of it. We were in quite a lot of debt, a couple of hundred thousand rands worth. We needed a mighty God. At first, my thoughts were that this is going to be absolutely impossible, that it would take a miracle for us to pay this debt off. It seemed like that we were being hit from every single side. Not only was there debt to pay, our income decreased during this time. I took our finances, laid them before God. There was no way that we could handle this on our own. We sought godly counsel from a trusted friend in Life Changes who showed us how to budget and held us accountable. A realization came that God was working in our situation whilst Jen was on maternity leave. We saw how he provided for us and that we were actually able to settle a large amount of debt even though we were earning less than what we had. I can tell you today that we stand here before you debt free with only our bond to pay. My God is a mighty God. If you had to ask me how we did it, I would tell you that we made some tough decisions and it took a lot of discipline. But it is only by God's grace and provision in our lives that we were able to overcome and be set free. You see, our story doesn't end there and it's never finished. Our journey continues. This year we were looking for a home to buy. We put an offer in on a house that we thought was going to be our home and it was accepted. Our bond was approved and all looked like it was going according to plan. At the last possible moment, the deal fell through. Yes, we were disappointed. We had already started dreaming about living in that house, but we had to trust mighty God, that he was at work and that the, his ways were not our ways. They are so much higher and we, he had something better planned for us. A few weeks later, we went to see a house that was not yet listed. We fell in love with the place. We thought that it was completely out of our price range, but we believed we should make an offer on the house. We discussed it and prayed about it. We put in an offer, and that evening the estate agent called us to say it had been accepted. We were totally taken aback, as they hadn't even had a show house yet. Mighty God was at work. So the offer's now been accepted. We didn't actually know if we would qualify for our bond. We were first-time buyers, and the bond was for over 3 million rand. The banks came back, and... They were literally fighting to give us the bond. We landed up with a ridiculous rate of interest rate. The bond originated and a state agent told us that it was unheard of. In all of this, I knew that God's mighty hand was at work and he was showing us how he holds everything together. The next step was paying the transfer fees. We were trying to figure out where the funds would come from. We were trying to make a plan by ourselves. There were resources we could pull from which would put us back in debt, but God had already made a way. The morning we went to, to sign the transfer papers, the funds were available in Jen's bank account. Not only had our mighty God made, us, made a way for us to be debt-free, he had made a way for us to buy our dream home and remain debt-free. Why do I tell you these stories? I see my mighty God at work. He set, set us free from debt and he made a way where we saw no way. I see him weaving together an amazing story. It's not always easy, but perfect in every way. When we're going through tough times, we trust and hold on to the promises from God. He is mighty and so much bigger than any problem we could ever face. His ways are not our ways. They are so much greater. In closing, I'd like to leave you with a story that Tommy Tenney told in his book, God's Eye View. He tells the story of him and his little daughter getting into an elevator full of people 
On the daughter's level, all she sees are legs. This would be quite daunting for a person suffering from claustrophobia and even more so for a little child. So she lifts her hands to her dad to say, Daddy, pick me up so I can see what you see, so I can get your perspective. This is exactly how we should be with our Abba Father. When we find ourselves in situations that cause us to be anxious or fearful, would we lift up our arms in worship? Would we ask our mighty God to lift us up so that we can see what the situation looks like from his point of view? Would we trust him, knowing that his strength is perfected in our weakness, that he is indeed mighty God? Yeah. Phenomenal. Just amazing. You think uh, guys take two weeks to prepare. Brad has been preparing that sermon for the last two and a bit years, three years. Truth, though. This is the real thing. These aren't just cheap and easy things to say. Just uh, took him two hours. No, but, but just in the sense of these are not things that just, hey, let's pick a scripture and go. These are people's lives. And I want to say thank you, Brad, uh, Brad and Jean. Your lives are sermons to us. We really do love you guys, and you guys are a phenomenal family, and we're so proud of the faith steps. Man, I got to marry that couple. It was just, I get to boast about them. Very, very proud of you guys, man. So well done, and uh, excited for what God's got still for you guys. Finally, we've got the, we've, we've saved one of the best for last, one of the top four for last. Here we go. I had to be careful how I said that. I was like, hmm, going to get in trouble. But uh, this is an amazing couple who came into the life of our church, Ronald and Danny Detoy, about a, a year and a bit ago, uh, because they just got married and moved down. Ronald actually moved down before his bride to prepare the way for her. And uh, an amazing couple who are just, uh, who's, have just been a godsend as well, again, behind the coffee. Goodness gracious me. But Danny's also been involved with kids. Uh, Ronald is working in the city uh, with an amazing company there. And Danny is a psychologist. And we've got Danny preaching this, this morning because we thought, what's better than one Danny? Two Dannys. So, um, so everybody, without further ado, we've got, the, the, we've got the final one this morning. This is Danny Detoy, who's going to bring the last of the sevens. So my name is Danny. I am wife to Ronald and a counseling psychologist a little bit down the road. Um, when Gabe asked me to speak, I was sitting with so many thoughts of disqualification, not feeling good enough. Am I qualified to speak? And the reason that I share that is because I want to be congruent. So I want my outsides to match my insides so that you're aware of what I'm sitting with. Um, insecurity is something that I struggle with. I felt God reminding me that no one is perfect, and striving to live like Jesus is a choice that happens daily. So I was thought it was fitting that I was grappling with this concept and wanting to speak on Jesus as a counselor. He brings people out of mess, and he walks alongside them through the mess. John Marcoma speaks about the church needing to be a hospital for people, where broken and sick people can come. Um, Tim Keller speaks about how we are inherently sinners, and that's why we need Jesus. Identity work is something that I have struggled with for as long as I can remember, not feeling good enough, and slowly by slowly, God has been doing a work in my heart, reminding me of my identity in Him. There are days when I get that right, days when I am fully aware of my sonship in Him, and days where fear takes over. Identity is what I mainly work on with my clients, because out of the overflow of that, it will impact on your marriage, on your work, on trauma, on relationships. And having an identity in God is moving from a place of slavery to sonship, knowing you are worthy, knowing you are a child of God, that you are loved and safe with a Father that can restore, that can take our sin and show us new ways to live. There is power of identity in God and sonship. 
In terms of wonderful counselor, wonderful is evidence of the character of God. It means filled with wonder, incomprehensible, not like a wonderful day at the beach, but being absolutely completely in awe, beyond our understanding. Counselor speaks about the heart of God, the personhood of God, God's goodness, his compassionate nature. God is faithful. John 2 verse 25, he did not need any testimony about mankind, for he knew what was in each person. He knows what is in the depths of our hearts, and he is ultimately our wonderful counselor. When praying about what to speak about, I felt like God reminded me of a preacher I had heard at 3CI in Pretoria by Rory Dyer. He spoke about the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew 1. So God is God, and he could have chosen anyone to be in the genealogy of Jesus. And he chose an, incredible, an incredibly broken string of people. Really, really messy. And it's an example of Jesus' capacity to bring something beautiful out of the mess. He has the capacity to restore. Being naked and unashamed with Jesus does not involve us covering certain parts of ourselves and hiding others from him. We are able to come to him with all of our mess. For those of you that have um, ever been to my office, it's covered in gold stuff, like a gold water bottle, a gold desk chair. It's quite ridiculous, really. I think I may have gone slightly overboard. But the reason I designed it like that is that when I'm sitting with clients and their stuff feels really, really heavy, I wanted to remind myself and anchor myself in Matthew 1. So there is a Japanese style of pottery called kintsugi, which is the art of repairing broken pottery by mending the areas of breakage with gold. They believe that objects that are broken become more beautiful. And it is the same with our brokenness. When we bring our brokenness and we are vulnerable with God, he has the capacity to counsel us in that and to restore us. God's timing is different for everyone, but even if it is just sitting in the presence of God with a mess and hearing him speak his truth over you. Um, hearing his truth is important because when we um, are stressed and we get triggered, basically we go into a process of physiological flooding. So all the blood rushes from the frontal lobe of your brain to your heart, your digestive system kicks off because you're not really gonna eat a hamburger when you're really, really stressed. But the problem in that is the frontal lobe of our brain is the seat of our rational and logical decision-making. So fear and anxiety kick in, and it's really difficult to remember God's truth in a situation. So it's so important when you're triggered to read the word, to ask God what the truth is in the situation, to speak to friends that you can be accountable with, and that can speak truth and life over you. Um, this year, I had struggled with a family relational difficulty, one that I won't share because it's not only my story to tell. And also just to bear in mind that I'm in it, it's not a complete testimony, but um, it, was really, it was really tough and I struggled with insecurity and not feeling good enough. The relational difficulty um, reached ahead on the weekend of my husband's birthday on the 4th of August. I love birthdays, I get really, really excited for birthdays, but on this weekend I was feeling really, really low. And I remember Ron, um, I was gonna take into my time now for crying. <laughs> um, affirming my identity in God and looking at me over his weekend, which was supposed to be about him, saying, oh, you are so worthy. You are so worthy. He would um, lay his hands on my head and declare God's goodness over me, reminding me that I am a daughter of the king. Um, and that's just an example of when we get it right. <laughs> there are also examples of when we get it wrong. <laughs> So Jesus blesses us with community. I remember our life group and friends praying with me and supporting me. And this beauty of community is what the gospel is about, calling out the gold in others and reminding them of what God has said to them. 
So I encourage you, if you're struggling, to fill out the care form, speak to someone, bring it into the light. Um, ultimately, though, only Jesus can heal, and he is our wonderful counselor. During that time, I felt God say something to me. I tend to write down everything God says to me because when I feel anxious, I like to go back and read what he said. Um, so on the 12th of August, I felt God say, I define you. You are my daughter. Only I get to say who you are. Be brave and know that I am God. I hold you in the palms of my hands. I have you. Listen to me and lean into me as I tell you the truth about who you are and what you are made for. I wanted to share it because it shows that ultimately Jesus is our wonderful counselor. He speaks to us in our pain. He meets us in our mess. And we don't have to dress it up for him or hide certain parts. We can be fully vulnerable with Jesus, our wonderful counselor. He knows your pain and he knows your joy and he sees it. And there's such beauty in bringing things into the light. Incredible job. Thank you so much. Thank you to all four of you for your vulnerability and honesty with your stories. I real, really feel threatened that I don't have a job next week, but anyway, <laughs> glad someone laughed. There we go. <laughs> the rest of you are like, yeah. <laughs> but um, just uh, something I wanted to land with, uh, just to bring this all together at the end. Uh, as you might be aware, I've got a two-and-a-half-year-old two daughter called Olivia, and uh, Olivia is uh, besotted with dada at the moment. She's in the dad phase. And uh, so, middle of the night, when w the middle, you'll just hear this piercing voice going, da da, just screaming out, and and just like this this response to them, I'm out of bed and I'm next to the cot in seconds. It's like, and I, m maybe I get a little bit of a kick out of the fact she's calling me, you know, because Fee's got everything else organized. I get my one time to be in charge here, but uh, but it's quite a remarkable thing in the pitch dark. When, when fears are big for her, stuff has happened. I don't know what's going off, and sometimes maybe a bad dream or a thought or. A dino, somebody dressed in a dinosaur came to a school the other day, so that was plaguing her for a while. You know, had to deal with that. Thank you, Michael. Um, <laughs> but with all these things, it's in the middle of the night, she says, Dada, with such confidence that I'm coming and that I'll be able to sort out the issue. She is completely unaware that I have my own insecurities, my own fears, my own problems, my own insufficiencies. She is not aware of these things. I could go ad nauseum and tell you about where I fail as a father, where I'm not good enough, where I'm not, I am not the strongest. I'm not, let's be honest, it's quite evident to see. I'm not the biggest. I'm not the most in control. But for her in her time of need, she needs dada. And I want to just tell you though that what is on offer here, we're not just given a father. God doesn't say, I promise you a father. I don't promise you just, hey, here's a God on offer or a counselor or here's some peace. I love the fact that there's this descriptive word before every characteristic that brings such a surety that goes way beyond just our rationale that we can understand. We are told that we're promised not a counselor, but a wonderful counselor. We're told that we're not just promised, hey, there's a God, someone of refuge. We're told we've mighty God, mighty God. In every circumstance, that whenever you feel you're above, over your head, everything is still under his feet. We're told that we're given not just a father, but an everlasting father. In a day and age where fathers who walk out on their family are diamond a dozen, we've got an everlasting father who never turns his back on us, who is always faithful and ever present. We're not just told we give of peace, just an absence of, of fear for a moment. We give the prince of peace, the prince of peace, that when he walks into a situation, peace is the byproduct every time. I want to tell you that why we, these four people speak, 
It's because it's not just sermons, it's their lives. It's their testimonies that are coming. And I pray that they'll start to flood your hearts with color. Color. Not just the black and white, yeah, I know I need to run to Jesus. But actually you run to the everlasting Father. To the wonderful counselor. To the mighty God. To the Prince of Peace. So I'm going to ask you, why don't you all stand to your feet so we can pray. Danny mentioned, Danny Jan mentioned a word, a Hebrew word called yada. And it's that word to know. Not just to know, as Danny said, but to know. And it's easy to know of a peace that's available. I know God is there. I know it's there. I know God is strong. I know I can turn to Him. But there's a difference when you experience it. When you walk with it in living color, in flesh and blood, in the, the, the depths of, of your depravity, of your fear, of your disobedience, of your anguish, of your anxiety, to know that He's your wonderful counselor. To know that He's your everlasting Father. To know that he's your Prince of Peace, to know that he's your mighty God. I'm praying that that will happen in your hearts today and no one else can do that. No preacher can do that for you. Only the Spirit of the living God can make that known to you. So if you are needing God to make himself known to you, and I pray that's every single one of us, would you lift your hands with me so we can pray? Holy Spirit, I thank you for your presence here. I thank you that you come and you confirm every word that was spoken, every testimony that was shared. Testimonies that have finished, testimonies that are still being formed. I thank you, Father God, that you right now are cementing these words in our hearts and breathing life, where things are just black and white color, living color would start to flood our beings. I thank you, Father, maybe where people are, have even experienced loss this year. As Jared was speaking, there was stories of loss, and people in this church have experienced loss, some very recently, some maybe walking with a limp they don't even know they have. I thank you, Father God, with the everlasting Father, come near. With the wonderful counselor, come near and whisper your truth that the enemy cannot steal, that circumstance cannot steal. I thank you in this moment, Prince of Peace. I thank you in this moment, Mighty God, to bring breakthrough in situations that need the mighty hand of God. I thank you, Father God. You do what only you can do. I pray testimonies upon testimonies start to bubble out of this moment. On the back of the testimonies of the saints, right now we thank you for your blood that speaks a better word. I thank you, God, for every single heart here right now. There's an unplugging from our system. Even as the generator was roaring in the background and all of a sudden, ESCOM kicks in. A different source of power kicks in. I thank you right now where we've been battling and running on our own power system. Right now, we surrender. We say, God, we trust you for your system. Your system of power that comes and overrides our insufficiencies, overrides our weakness, overrides our sin, and says, I am the way maker. I am the light in the darkness. I am the promise keeper. That is who I am. For unto us a child is born. For unto us a son is given, and he shall be called. And he is called, and he forever will be called everlasting father, mighty God, wonderful counselor, prince of peace. I pray for these truths to go deep into every heart. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen. It's a privilege to do. Why don't we give these amazing preachers a round of applause?